Who's How Music proudly presents Sounds on Vinyl, the show that celebrates collecting and listening to vinyl. And now here are your hosts, Mike and Phil. Hey, hey, welcome to the Sounds on Vinyl show. My name is Phil Boyer, and as always, from across the vast open sea is my brother from another mother, Mr. Mike Svensson. Mike, how the hell is it going over there in Sweden? Oh, it's really good. We got summertime still, so so I'm a happy camper about that. I don't like the cold at all. You don't like the cold? <laughs> no, I was born in the wrong country. So, so. In the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually had a dream last night that I woke up and it was we had like five inches of snow on the ground. Oh man! So I, I know oh, snow is one of your favorite things too. Over there, oh so. no, 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 no! <laughs> I I cannot believe that people will pay to go skiing and no, that's not for me. No. <laughs> so so listen, we we got um we got a special guest, we another do. one, another one, but. Another one, but we're going back to Mr. Philip Schaus. Hey, man, how's it going? Doing awesome, guys. How are you? Hey, hey. We we are awesome. doing great. Yeah, yeah. Phil Phil is is he's missing winter, so he's <laughs> yeah. No, about summer. No. Yeah, 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 summer, <laughs> summer. Summer. hell yeah. here. So yeah. <laughs> there Shit. you go. Okay, so we're doing uh, something different uh, on on this episode, where we're, we invited Philip once again to pick his top five albums of all time. All time, not an, easy, gonna, not an re- easy task. Yeah, this is really hard. No. <laughs> not an easy task. Right. Okay, so are you good to go? Because I I I'm so anxious to to see what you picked. So uh, yeah, so just jump right in. We can start at the top. The only one I have in yeah. here is number one. The other ones are just two yeah. through five, and I can't, I can't put those okay. in any order. I just can't do it. I've tried. Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So cool. So what you got for So us? we'll just start from What's the first anywhere one? from two. Not, yeah. Not number anywhere one. You, uh, yeah. No, anywhere you want. Okay, because I've got – okay, since I've got two Beatles albums on this, on this short list, we'll start with one yeah. of them, uh, Rubber Soul. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, it was tough to, it was tough to not fill all five with yeah. those records, which I could have easily done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Rubber Soul to me, because I'm a, such a huge fan of the early period as well. A lot of people kind of shy shy away from it, which I don't understand because it's it's fucking genius. Um, yeah. The Beatles. Uh, but I love that one because it was just when they were. Revolver is even more towards the new, later, like, you know, late 60s sound. And Rubber Soul is kind of the one that's right in between what they were going to be and what they have been. I mean, every record is different. You know, every record with them is completely mm-hmm. different. And they grew every time they pushed boundaries with every single album. And this one mm-hmm. I love because it's right when they were just about to, you know, Two records from then was completely different. Two years from then, which is insane to think about that, what they were doing yeah. every year. Two years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and it's this one's so cool because when I got my Hofner bass, uh, like last year, I think early or late, early this year, I just got one because my friend uh, was selling one. I bought one from Michael Wagner. He was selling uh, all his guitars, and I went and bought his Hofner. And um, so just for fun, for my own, I was starting to pick out Beatles bass lines because McCartney's my hero and everything. Um, and so I went for a lot of rubber soul stuff. And it was really, it hit me then what the album title meant. It is their soul and R&B album completely. Especially if you listen to the bass and you learn all those bass lines, it is like you're playing Motown songs. Yeah. Yeah. Paul McCartney is a great bass player. And it's, he got Man. so much from Jamerson and from all that stuff. And like when yeah. you listen to it and you isolate the bass, you're like you're playing uh, "Drive My Car." It's like respect. It's just like mm-hmm. wow, yeah. this is really. It's <laughs> it's. You can tell how so cool. much and how hard they were listening to that stuff at that time because it really all that stuff reflects what they were doing. That's a big one. So. Yeah, but do, do you play bass uh, with um, uh, with Ace Freely, right? right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so, but did you start out playing guitar? Started off on guitar, it... and then started yeah. playing bass on by necessity. Really, I took the bass gig just because when I counted when we got when we got the Ace when we got the Ace tour, I counted four guitar players. I was like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I just kind of well, I did it because McCartney when yeah. when it came time to have a bass player, Paul went, I guess I'll do it because John and George both went, I'm yeah. not playing bass. And then so Paul, I was like, I'll do it. And I'm really glad I did because yeah. I love, I really, really, really love playing bass. Um, yeah. And it's fun playing uh, all those old Kiss tunes because Gene was such a McCartney guy. And I learned a yeah. lot yeah. by watching Gene play, not knowing that I was going to be the bass player for you know his ex-bandmate. Um, I did learn a lot by watching him. And, and most of the band, most of the music that we talked about with Gene was the Beatles. And so, you know, his yeah. bass lines are very, very walkie McCartney R&B type. So it all goes together, you know, very well. Yeah. Especially the later ones. I, I know I'm I'm a, a big, a huge fan of Unmasked. Yeah. So, uh, and and he does, I, I don't think he plays all the bass on, on that one, but still you can hear it when, yeah. when he's, he's going but off. Even, like, even uh, like Strutter. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. His best. Yeah, now that you Cold say it, Jen yeah. is cool. Um, yeah, they you're always right. had really fun, moving bass lines. He was not like a stick on the root type bass player. He was always walking around, and all of, I can't really think of one offhand that isn't like that. That isn't moving and really like when you listen to it, like wow, that's pretty fucking clever. You know, it's really good. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. he doesn't yeah. give himself enough credit in. I think how good a musician and how good a bass player he is. No, but but, but I'm I'm guessing that's not the way he thinks. He he just wanted wants the the song to be good. Exactly. And he, if for for him, it doesn't care who who plays it, what. Exactly. He played so, guitar. I, yeah. I learned it on a lot of the Kiss stuff. Um, he would play of his songs, like he'd play guitar, and sometimes Ace would play bass. Um, I know on you know, and you can hear, you can tell now. I can watch Gene. Yeah. Gene's playing guitar on Dr. Love. That's him. Yeah. He's playing guitar yeah. on Got Love for Sale. You know, on a lot of his <laughs> tunes, he's playing guitar. You can kind of hear it because it's got, there's not really any finesse. No. Going on. Yeah. He would tell you that. He's yeah. like, I've got caveman hands, you know, and he'd kind of like, <laughs> yeah. man, 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 you know. but you can kind of hear it now. Um, and on a lot of that stuff, he didn't play bass on some, he did. Um, but some of it, you know, he'd get Ace to do some, and yeah, he just wanted to be right. He didn't care who. So it's you know, yeah. not really a big mm-hmm. ego when it came to that stuff. He's like, no, no, that. you know, he really did cut yeah. off the music yeah. first. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Oh wow! So so we're out of the boxes right now. Rubber Soul right there with the Beatles. That's so cool. Yep. So what's up next? Uh, let's do um, again in no order. So this is just two through five. Uh, Aerosmith rocks. Yeah. Okay. Which there people you go. normally go toys or rocks for one of their favorite Aerosmith albums, but rocks is one of my favorite of all time. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. That's it's a good just, one right there. And it's always cool to put, you know, a, a band that you like or an album that you really, really like in the time. So, yeah. You're like, you know, 1976, you had The Who, you had The Stones, you had Led Zeppelin, you had Humble Pie, you had Kiss, you had Wings, you know, you had all the Deep Purple, you had all these mm-hmm. things happening. And it's so cool to listen. And it was cool because it was all rock and roll, but it was all different. There was room for everything. Mm-hmm. And Aerosmith at this, at those two records, and this one in particular, it's so, it, it's so unique sounding. It doesn't sound like any other band or any other recording around that time. It sounds so different. It sounds so different that I can't, I have a hard time telling what kind of guitars and amps they play. They just sound <laughs> yeah. like the, Joe and Brad. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not I like, mean, oh, that's a, that's yeah, a Marshall, that's a Strat, that's an Defender. You know, it, it's, they don't have that. There's all this like, what is that? What even is that? And using cool instruments <laughs> like the, the six string bass on, Back in the saddle, every song on yeah. that has a cool, different thing in it, and um, yeah. and and we 
I was in a thing that we did, we learned the record and played it top to bottom in order. A lot of those guitar parts should not sound right together because they, they completely clash. Yeah. I'm not sure who, I know, Night, I got to ask Night Bob more questions about this because Night Bob's out with us with Ace Fraley. He's our front of house. Oh, cool. So he was, oh, he was Aerosmith's guy during this whole period. He was in the recording of this album. Yeah, I know. I don't know yeah. who helped right. arrange the stuff, but the arrangements are completely <laughs> out of like regular textbook rock and roll arranging and the writing too. It's so unique and it's so special. <laughs> and like, it's just so great and it sounds so awesome. And every song on it is just, yeah, I I mean it's, you got some real classics. Every, I every mean, back note in the is in place and it's recorded correctly yeah. and it sounds right and it's performed right and it's like there's not an out of note noise or out of place noise on that whole album. Mm-hmm. Rats in the Cellar is actually one of my all time favorite Aerosmith songs. Yeah. I mean it's and that oh, one, man, oh man, it just it just <laughs> cooks the whole time and that's. Pretty much Yardbirds <laughs> rave up at the end. I mean, it, yeah, 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 yeah. You can stuff. hear the influences. That one combination yeah. is is one of my all time greatest ones. But then you got get the let out, um, yeah. Wicked a Promise. You know, mm-hmm. it just yeah. it doesn't oh, sick as a dog, which is like one of my favorite Aerosmith songs. Sick as a dog, time, yeah. It just <laughs> yeah. doesn't stop. Yeah, no, and it's, no. I didn't really realize it, and Jeremy can attest to this because we, me and Jeremy, Asbrock were on the thing together. We were listening to the yeah. stuff and figuring out, going, "This is this is right. This is what they played, but this should not work." You know, <laughs> it's just so out there, and it's just so creative. It really is one of the most creative rock albums, I think. But anyway. yeah, I think so too. And yeah. the cover is amazing All right. too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you talked about this uh, on on and when you were on last uh, w- with us. Uh, it, uh, Aerosmith was a huge part of your life since your brother yep. was into Aerosmith as well, and and you discovered rock and roll through there. Yeah, is there uh, did, did he have uh, uh, some of the favorite ones that he picked up and and said to you, "Well, go with this first. He kind of led you on. So this is probably in. I started digging around in 78 or 79, so I'm three and four on those years. So he had everything up until like live bootleg. So he had the first five. And for some reason, uh, I think Toys in the Attic was because it had toys on the cover. And I'm three years old. <laughs> you know, and yeah, yeah. rocks. I remember looking at that, picking it up, like, this is, I don't understand it. But it's really cool. I don't know why I'm three years old and I'm attracted to this. And then you took it out and then it had the cartoon of them on the big gatefold. Um, yeah. So that was <laughs> fascinating to me. The drawing, such a cool drawing of them on stage. And then you flip that over and then it had the little mini pictures, the montage of all the tiny photos yeah, of them on stage, off stage, just, you know, being Aerosmith and, you know, I had stared at that thing forever. So I remember yeah. very vividly um, one of my, probably my first, I don't remember a lot as a kid when I was really, slow, but when I was really young and small, but this, I remember for sure, like listening to that with headphones on, just staring, literally <laughs> glued to this, to, to the, to the sleeve, the record sleeve, just staring at it and looking at every picture over and over again, listening to it. And just, it just sounds it's just one of those things. It's just, you know, a lot of nostalgia for me too. But good God, what an awesome album! <laughs> yeah, you know, it it's really just mind blowing. Still, it's like it's so creative and it's so unique sounding. Still, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, those first records, man, those are like the blueprint print of rock and roll, yeah. right there. Um, I mean, Toys in the Attic rocks, as as we mentioned, and and uh, oh man, copied oh, man. by a lot. But yeah, not match. I mean, you really can't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just such a. No. I mean, they had the. They took the Stones prototype, two guitars, you know, lead singer, that kind of thing. Uh, but the sound of it, and you know, you, you know, we, you know, of course, they liked all the the good. They had all the good influences: Stones, Beatles, you know, Dave Clark Five, and Yardbirds, all that stuff. But they just turned it into. And it's cool when you listen to the first one, 
and it's just it's yeah. a straight blues rock record. It's great. It is. But it what is. it went into, I mean, what it turned into, like I think it culminated with. They're all great. I mean, I, I love you know a lot of their a, a lot of their all of their albums, but I think Rocks is just like it's such a special special album and a special time. They weren't too fucked up yet. Um, they could still, you know, it was a really thing. They were kind of getting into some stuff at the time, but they could still perform and function really well. Um, and man, and did you, did you guys know about the lyrics? Stephen Tyler leaving the lyrics in the cab? No. He had to rewrite no. the entire record. What? He had, he had, I think he had it. Oh, it was either done or it was almost done. He had every, all the lyrics of all the songs written in this big book and he left it in a cab. Oh man. So, oh, so it was, he had to rewrite the, had to rewrite the entire album mm. of all the lyrics for the album. This, I mean, the songs were already there. The music was done, but I mean, rewrite the, the lyrics for the, for the songs. So, yeah. Oh, so who knows what was in man. that, that he forgot. Yeah. No. yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, he had to rewrite, think of something different. I think he, I think he wrote pretty cool stuff. Whatever it was, it's it's some awesome awesome lyrics and melodies in there. So, wow. I would would love to be at that. Yeah, that cab. It's never turned up. It's never been like an auction. No, I it's, got the lyrics. <laughs> you think they turn up on some high dollar you know music auction, rock and roll auction or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh man, forgot it in Yeah, that's even cab. crazier when he got it down. Like, well, I, guess I gotta start over. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh man. So oh we're oh we're happening right now. Robert Soul and Aerosmith Rocks. So what's up next? Um Where are you taking us? Uh I'm gonna do let's see, the rest of my albums are kind of very well put together albums. And I wanted to pick yeah. one that just sounded like a band playing in the room. That's Van Halen one. Oh yeah. Ah, oh yeah. And that's just that's another one that you know it, it sounds like the future, and it's it will, it will always <laughs> sound like the future. It will it will never have like oh yeah that sounds like the seventies. It's like it sounds like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what year you're in. It never sounds dated. Um, it just those guys were just playing in the room. That's what they sounded like playing. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's I think it's, one it's crazy because the rest of like the rest of them were very produced put well i mean ted and don put his put their stamp on it for sure but that's kind of what they sounded like playing live which is amazing when you think about yeah. a band that can just do that you know <laughs> it's mm-hmm. crazy yeah that's a great were, record i can't think of who was i know dave was oldest i think um but i know eddie was 21 when they were cutting that record oh man and a lot of the songs you know van halen you know they had when they were doing demos in 76 and 77 they had a lot of the songs written that went through, you know, well, even went now went, went through um, different kind of truth. You know, they, yeah. they all, they kind of went back and found old cool riffs. Um, so they had all those songs written when like, you know, some of those songs, but Eddie was a teenager. Um, Did Gene mention in, anything about Van Halen when, cause he was there right in, in, in the middle of it. Was that Gene? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Gene. Did he, he, yeah. Yeah. He talked. Did he about, mention anything? Yeah. Has well, he, he talked about it? Wear a Van Halen shirt around him. He'd go, "No, I discovered Van Halen." Yeah. <laughs> and he'd tell you the story of him seeing them at the Starwood. Uh, yeah. He took BB Buell actually, rather than him and BB went, um, and saw uh, saw Van Halen, and you know, cool. then, then you know, tried to get him a deal, and you know, really was pretty fair about the thing. He said, if I can't do anything, I'll tear it up. But he got, you know, he took him to New York and they did demos and, you know, he tried to get him with a coin, but it didn't work out. But um, yeah, Gene saw it. And he, the next day he took Paul and he t- to see it. And then Paul was just like, good God, you know, <laughs> it, had to be, it had to be like uh, seeing that it had to be just like, what am I yeah. looking at? You know, yeah. to see that get them in a club doing that and seeing Eddie play that way. And, you know, Ted Templeman mm-hmm. says that he he put Ed in the Charlie Parker category yeah. when he saw him play. It's like, this guy is, this, this is not rock guitar. This isn't even like, this is otherworldly. You know, Ted yeah. saw it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and that first record just has so much energy. It's like when you listen to it, it sounds like 
it sounds like the sound is coming out of the walls. It doesn't sound like it's coming through speakers. And I can't think of another album that said, that has that in it. It just sounds like it really no, it's, just there's a special it's sound. Just like, yeah. it, it sounds like it's coming out of the air. I wonder if Paul and Gene. I wonder if Paul and Gene felt like, "Uh oh, we're in trouble now." <laughs> I know. Well, recently, with Paul tweeted that thing about Dave and said, "I saw yeah. him," and then went, "There's a new sheriff in town," because they did. Yeah, yeah. They did change everything. Yeah, because they, you know, when they opened for Black Sabbath in '79, all the guys in Sabbath were like, "Go, still, they go, they killed us every night." Yeah, because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. funny when you look at that. Like Sabbath had only been a band for ten years. But they were in 78, 79, they were considered dinosaurs. Yeah. So was that yeah. this bloated rock <laughs> machine, you know, you're like, yeah. wow, really? Because punk had already happened. It was, it was a lot of things were, it was moving in fast forward compared to now, you know, rock and roll was a, you know, a, a snotty nosed teenager at that point. <laughs> and so yeah. Things were really, really happening very fast and changing very quickly. And so, mm-hmm. You know, you had those guys, and you had the Stones, which that were extra dinosaurs because they were around since the you know early sixties. And then you had Boston and Foreigner and things like that, which I love, but it was considered very corporate rock. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's yeah. funny to listen yeah. to, to interviews with the Van Halen guys, but when they talk about that time when they were getting signed, they kind of say rock and roll was dead because it was mm. very everything oh. was very disco heavy and. And, and yeah. dance music heavy, and and that movement was kind of happening, and nobody knew how long that was going to last. So, Van Halen is kind of credited with one of the groups, or maybe the main group that brought back rock and roll and gave it a shot in the arm when it was, you know, very very exciting. And um, you know, and you I can mean, hear it just all. I mean, about- I look at music back then. I, I'm still like, wow, there's a lot of great <laughs> stuff, but apparently it had taken yeah. a dip. You know, if you were around yeah. then, it's always different when you're living in it. You know, yeah, of I'm course. Looking back, you know, I, I can't. Yeah. I don't have like a really good gauge, but it's always kind of interesting looking at how they they see like 1977, 78 as like a dead time for rock and roll. Yeah. You know? But it's it's sort of like when when you when you hear Van Halen and and you listen to the interviews, it's they were in it for the music. They didn't. I, I'm guessing that they didn't. I mean, Eddie Van Halen, his his. Yeah, well, he's Eddie Van Halen, but but it's the fame that was like on a different level. Because I I was watching Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains. He talked about Eddie right uh, right after he passed, and he said, "Well, Eddie was a sweetheart. Uh, we were struggling, and I I didn't have my have any gear." And I said, "Wow, it's cool. I'll hook you up." And he was staying at a at a friend's house, and all of a sudden uh, he w- went on tour with Alice in Chains, and th- then he came back, and I said. The guy who was living with, I say, you you got to move your stuff out of my out of my garage. What do you mean stuff? And and he <laughs> rolled it up, and it was filled with equipment, <laughs> guitars, amplifiers, and so. So, who's this from? Yeah, it's from Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. What? Yeah. So he, he he just put everything in there in this tiny little garage. And, uh, <laughs> and, and right after, and his, Jerry said, "Well, that was Eddie." Yeah. After his passing, uh, I still have to edit the show together, but I edited um, I interviewed some guitar player friends I know that actually knew him and had stories. And I interviewed um, Snake and Scotty from Skid Row, um, Damon Johnson, I interviewed him, and they all have the same stories. I said, yep, yeah. and he gave us gear. It's like, that's what he did. It's like, oh, I'll send you some stuff. Yeah. Like, he sent him some stuff. He, he'd always, he never, like, you know, backed out of it or never came through on that. He would always do that for people. And he didn't. Like he was very kind of reclusive. He didn't like parties and stuff. He wanted he wanted to sit in his room and and play guitar. That's what he liked yeah. to do, and that's what he wanted to do: record music. And he once he had the studio, fifty one fifty studio, he just recorded all the time. You know, there's just tapes and that's tapes so and cool. tapes and tapes and tapes and tapes of all <laughs> kinds of stuff. So yeah, the, I mean, I it was hard to pick a Van Halen record to be honest. Um, but the, the first one was the first one that I heard, and it's still really special, and it still has this thing that a first album has, and, and in particular, their first album has that yeah. no other yeah, one I know. has, that kind of just <laughs> electric, just blasting yeah, energy off, off mm-hmm. the, out of the speakers or off the yeah. vinyl or out of the 
CD, whatever you're listening to. It, you know, and it sounds <laughs> that's great. A classic. And it's still, it sounds great on a phone speaker. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's what's amazing about it. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it does. It still sounds like Eddie Van Halen's guitar through a phone speaker. You know, that's yeah. it's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing, right mm-hmm. there. Oh, cool. So, okay, we're 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 getting close. So, what you got for us next? Uh, let's do so. My other, I, my last of the non-number one group is is uh, Zeppelin Two. Mm, oh, okay, oh, yeah, and it's, cool. it's yeah. another one that I kind of listened to early on, and uh, apparently I listened to it as a really young, young, young kid because my brother. I remember seeing that cover as well. Then when I got some CDs as a teenager. That was one of the ones I got. And like you start it and from the first breath <gasps> before a lot of love, I was yeah. like, Oh my God, yeah. I haven't heard that. I must've listened to it as a three and four year old. <laughs> and not since then, I didn't know what that was because everything sounded familiar. And that's a yeah. cool thing too. It's like, Oh it is. wow. It is. And um, again, every song um, is just incredible. And that, and it's, and for the time, You know, when they were recording it in 69, and it was their second album that year, you know, mm-hmm. 60. Uh, yeah. Does that one come out in 68 or yeah, 69? Uh, I, I 69, I think. So, I think yeah, so, two nine. So, yeah, they were doing two albums in a year, and they were recording this one on the road, because you can see them on that tour all holding tapes. <laughs> and um, to be a piecemeal album like that, and... Also, like, I remember hearing some interviews with Plant, and he was talking about doing the vocal tracks, and he'd have to go, ah, right before the guitar, because it, it was on the same track as the guitar. <laughs> they're, probably doing, they're probably dealing with eight track at this point. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so he would have to do his scream, like, right before the guitar, because he couldn't record over the guitar. And just how they recorded it and how well it's recorded It just, mm-hmm. it, again, it still yeah. sounds better than things today. Yeah, it, it, it does. In, incredible how well, what a great producer Paige, yeah. Paige really, really was. At producing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, knew yeah. exactly what he wanted that band to sound like, and it's, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And even at, without the, 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 the Robert Ludwig mastering, you've heard about that one? Oh, was it the one that the, the bass jumped out of the... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm looking for that. That's a holy grail. That's a that's a hard one to find on vinyl. I've got it, a digital copy of that. I have in my yeah. iTunes, so you can't really think. But oh, yeah, yeah. The first master you bass. It's still yeah. the bass. It, there's so much bass on it still. Um, yeah, yeah. The album, it's just have you heard? Have you heard it on vinyl? I've have, never heard that, that one. That on vinyl. No. Me neither, me neither. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm still looking for that one. But it's a great sounding album altogether. Oh, But oh man, to be able to to see what what freaked those guys at Atlantic. <laughs> I mean, you've heard mm-hmm. his story, right? Uh, on, on when when the label manager he heard and he his I think it was his niece or daughter. He, he one of those like kitty players. Yeah. And she she put it on and then it. The needle jumped <laughs> right out of there. He said, "Oh, you got to do remaster this. It's crazy. You can't put this out." Oh, um, um, it was. It that is, was probably it is. the first record that I went. Oh, that's a bass guitar. Or that's what a bass guitar can do. Probably. Yeah. I can't think of anything before that that I really was like. Such wow. a genius, John Paul Jones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it really does sound like. And then on headphones. All the panning and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's so cool. You know, yeah, stuff, but, you know, I don't even know if people do that anymore with records. No, you know, it's just. And they they were also like like Aerosmith, I think, ahead of the time uh, yeah. doing mm-hmm. doing the music like that. Just really, I mean, then, to, uh, again, when you think about when this came out, the Beatles were still together. Yeah, you know, it's um, crazy. Abbey Road oh, was going to yeah. come out that same year. And it's cool when you listen to like <laughs> it was really splintering off. Now it's like mm. there was this really mm. heavy area that music was going. Sabbath was a band at this yeah. time too, and Deep Purple was making so early records. There was definitely a s- split, you know. Um, 
And it's just cool. And I love doing that. And they're like, wow, the Beatles are still together. You know, Abbey Road is coming out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. month, actually. Zeppelin two came out in Abbey Road. Abbey Road was toward the end of the year. It was in the winter, I think. So Yeah, okay. Um, I think so. Yeah, it's, I love doing that. Like when you look at the history of, of and you know, what was going on musically, politically, and socially it, it, around a record. Because you can't isolate an album or a band. You know, and go, why can't the Beatles couldn't get signed today? That's the most asinine comment that anybody can make. You, yeah. you can't just remove yeah. anything and place it in place oh, it's, time. You know? It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is. So it's it always is. cool. But, but it, uh, still, I, I wonder what, what people like the Beatles thought about like Led Zeppelin when If if they thought oh like like it was when when Paul and Jean heard Van Halen oh it's game over now yeah <laughs> I, I a whole wonder, lot of love you know what there's I gotta listen to this there is um there's a YouTube clip of George Harrison um, yeah I think it's during the Let It Be sessions oh, I think okay. it's when they're filming the the movie and I I think it's in there where it's either the Zeppelin first Zeppelin album or it's the first Jeff Beck record. I can't oh, okay. think, I can't think of if he's making fun of it. Like, Oh, you heard this or if he, I can't yeah. think, but there, I got to find it now, but they, they weren't, I mean, yeah. definitely aware of it. And there's a photo of, I think Paul and Linda and David Gilmore at one of those famous uh, Zeppelin Earl's court shows in like 73, hey. I think, or 74 when they put Earl's yeah, court, yeah. those two, they, They did several big, big, big shows there. So, yeah, they were all kind of aware, and I, I, I got to go now and find that because I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Big interview, just like I have to this? go there too. I have listened to. Yeah, that. It's, oh, pretty, it's pretty cool. But yeah, they were all aware. They had to be, you know, because it was a big, yeah. it was a big thing. Yeah, because they ha it had to be something special even back then. I mean, to be to be able to to put that sound out there. I mean. You think you when you hear a whole lot of love for the first time, you, you had to be as yeah. as a musician or or as a teenager or, or like whoever it, it must have struck a chord. Yeah, with if people. you were in the recording business at all, you heard mm -hmm. that probably because it you know Jeff Beck <laughs> Truth was a big was a big step forward, and then you know, the first Zeppelin album was that had to be that, that took it that much further, and I think if you were in the business at all. It was something that, I mean, if you didn't like it or not, you realize that it was. This is something that's going to stick around. You know, this is going to. Mm -hmm. It's going. You know, this really heavy blues thing. The Stones started. The Yardbird started. Is going into this weird, different direction that became heavy metal, but it wasn't yeah. called heavy metal then. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that's I was weird. born like 15 years too late. Because it would have been so awesome <laughs> to see all these bands play live, all these, you know, like I never got to see Zeppelin live yeah. or any of these bands and it, even Jimi Hendrix and all that. It was just such a great Man. time for music. So many different styles, like you were saying, it was splintering off and uh, it was just so awesome back then. And yeah. I, I miss that. I mean, e even like Zeppelin, like Zeppelin 2, you pop that on today and it, it's mm – -hmm. It, it, it's so amazing, and you're like, Jesus Christ, this is so good. This it's is so awesome. Good. It's the writing and the, and the care at which you can tell everything was put. But then they were making records so fast. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's just like, wow, they weren't laboring over anything. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't. Uh, uh, one, of the, one of the ones that was, that is, one of the ones that didn't make the thing that should have, but uh, Machine Head, Deep Purple Machine Head. Um, that's another yeah. one that you think that everything's just labored over, but no, they did it in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, writing, it's crazy, recording, it? Like they had some ideas, but they'd write in there, then play it. And, and it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, how can you be that good and that young and, yeah. and that proficient and just so quick. And you come up with the, the right part that quickly. Um, yeah. it was just it's all, crazy. you know, they, they, they cared a lot about it and they were, they focused on it. So, um, a complete maniacal focus on a, on a thing on a, on a project and um yeah it's just incredible when you think that how long it takes bands to do records now and it's like oh they were cranking them out back then <laughs> yeah yeah wasn't it like uh, 48 hours for black sabbath's first album or yeah, something 36. like that <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. they just played it down 
I think it was that. And I think it was the first Beatles album was 12. Jeez. They oh, just man. played their set. All the parts like, and all know, the harmonies and everything else. They did one or oh. two takes of everything, and that was it. Because, I mean, they were just Jeez. so well rehearsed and fine tuned, both of those bands. They yeah. Those. And, oh. Yeah, yeah. Sabbath just went and played. Yeah. <laughs> well, Morris for Beatles. <laughs> man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, damn. Yeah. Okay. So, Philip, we got number one. We're up to number one. So, what do you got for us? It might be predictable, but it's Abbey Road. Oh, okay. Cool. There that, you go. On most days that you ask me this question, that's going to be my number one. Yeah. It's most consistently top. <laughs> there you go. So, wh why is it number one? Um, What's so special about it? Uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, it, it's kind of, it's the last one they did together. Not the last one released, but it's the last one they worked on together. Um, mm -hmm. And it just, it's also the first one they did with a solid state board, um, the mixing mm. console. And you can really tell it's, it is a lot cleaner. Um, not the other ones are filthy, dirty sounding like raw power or something, but you know, there is a difference, <laughs> like a stark difference when you listen to this one. Versus the other ones, and I love all of them, but this one just for some reason. And, and, and again, when you listen, listen to my headphones, um, and the new Atmos mixes that place place everything like in height, and also like yeah. not left and right, but it's around. Mm -hmm. They're fucking phenomenal, and if you listen to <laughs> yeah, them, a are. whole new in a whole new light. And I mean, I've I've listened to this thing. Thousands of times, I know every single noise that's in this record. I know every single background noise that's in this record. And listening to those Atmos mixes, uh, I'm hearing you hear new stuff. <laughs> and um, it's I don't know. It's just one of those things that you, you, you cannot skip anything. Even Maxwell Silverhammer, you can't skip. Um, <laughs> and uh, it is everything just sounds just immaculate. It's just like. You know, it's just like the higher power, the divine was just there. And everything, talk about a perfect, perfect record. Mm -hmm. You know, mm. that's just, you know, humans shouldn't be able to make something that good. <laughs> you know, it really doesn't make yeah. sense. And I'll, again, none of them were, were, were 30 years old at this point. No, it's know, crazy. Ringo and John were, were 29. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's nuts. That, I, I, it just doesn't make any sense, and uh, that people can be that proficient and write something like that. When you get to the second side, not not discounting anything from the first side, but when you get to the second side and the, the medley and the piecemeal medley, um, "You Never Give Me Your Money" is like five songs, and <laughs> I don't even know if it's two minutes. Because that's the kind of the beginning of the of the big medley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That thing is just in, incredible. It really is. I, and you don't everything everything segues so well. And I'm only talk, I'm only talking about you never give me your money right now. That one piece. Mm -hmm. Everything works so well when it goes from part to part to part that you don't realize it until you learn it, and you're like, "What the fuck?" It's just completely. <laughs> It's different songs. It's, it, it modulates keys and you don't even know it. And it, 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 that's just a masterful thing. I don't even know. I don't even know how long time-wise it is, but it sets the do, whole, do you, it sets the pace for the rest of the, the record and you know, the, rest yeah. of the medley, which is just unreal. Hmm. Do you think that that's why uh, musicians always have uh, such high regards for, for the Beatles does and, and especially for Abbey Road? Do you think that's that's why? I think so. I think it was the culmination of uh, of everything with them. And when you mean everything, I mean recording, playing, and writing, mm -hmm. uh, and singing. You know, and then arranging too, which was a lot. George Martin. He was. He was. He was. You know, he was the fifth Beatle when it came to all that. All mm -hmm. that stuff. A genius. But you know, the recording techniques. Again, like I said earlier, people like to kind of poo-poo the early period, but they were pushing boundaries from note one of please, please me. And they didn't stop. Mm. And they always were doing 
pushing the guys, you know, the engineers at, at EMI Studios, which it was called back then, were wearing lab coats. They were wearing white lab coats. They were scientists. In the pictures, and it's crazy. They were, they were very regimented on what they could do, and they didn't like anything that the Beatles were asking them to do and reluctantly doing them. Um, and, you know, that, that stuff started early on with them. They, they, they didn't wait until Rubber Soul to push boundaries. You know, they were pushing them the entire time. And they, you know, in re recording techniques and recording gear and outboard uh, devices were being invented because of what the Beatles were asking those engineers to do. Um, yeah. And it's crazy. just when you, and again, like when they were doing that, they were 20. <laughs> really yeah. uh, like in 60 Randy. in 63 um george was 20 years old and paul was 21 and, and just like when you think about it, i couldn't tie my shoes at that point you know i'm fairly <laughs> you know i, I just can't I, i'm i'm, mm -hmm. I'm rereading um this book by mark lewison who is like the the beatles author this is part one of his trilogy mm -hmm. and it's about it's called tune in and it's, it stops at 63 and it's a thousand okay. pages. Oh, oh wow. And oh. so I'm, I'm rereading that man. And, and, and it's just, it's unbelievable how like, it's fun to read about when they were forming and they were snot nosed asshole teenagers <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, getting in fights and, and rough. I mean, it had to be from where they were from. You really yeah. how important Liverpool was. And, and, and uh, that was the fifth member yeah. of, the, of the band, you know, yeah. the, the town they were from uh, when they were when they were forming. Um, and it's so cool to to you know, how they just kind of started writing songs and were so confident. And they bands like that didn't exist when they were when they formed that band. It was, you know, Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. It was mm -hmm. so and so and the so and so's, you know, it was Elvis. You know, it was a guy mm -hmm. and a backing band. You know, a band that didn't exist that had three singers and they wrote their own songs, and they, even that was groundbreaking. I still think the Beatles are underrated. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, they, oh. people don't really understand what really they did and how much they changed the entire thing with every single record. And I guess I go with Abbey Road just because for it's for personal favorite for me, and just um, the sound of it. Is just incredible, and it's very sparse. It's not. It's not real layered, like they had done the tape loop thing. And Pepper is very busy, mm -hmm. and Magic Mystery Tour is super trippy and very busy. And the White Album was extremely, like you know, had some stuff like that, but really, really stripped down. They kind of went back to basics on that one a lot, and recorded a lot on their own. And I think they came back as a unit, even though John Lennon was out for a bunch of this because he was in a car accident, so he missed a lot of the recording of this. Um, but it seems like they came back to Abbey Road to do one more really nice one because they had already done Let It Be and tried that and it, they hated it. And then so it's like, mm -hmm. let's do one more. And it, is, it is, does seem like everybody really put on their, you know, A-game face and, 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 and really did a, a, a great, like, you know, ridiculous album that, you know, and the cover. Yeah, what, it is a great one. It's a classic. It renamed yeah. the studio. You know, they renamed yeah. the studio. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's, yeah. And yeah, you see there, it's game over. They, it. re, they, yeah. they renamed, they renamed yeah. the album. But yeah, it's just everything Everything about it's great. I Want You, She's So Heavy is, is, is so crushing. It's just what a cool track that is. And it gets so, at the ending, it just gets so, you know, chaotic and and uh and beautiful it's just yeah it's awesome have you played all of those songs yourself um not all of them i've played a lot of them i never played maxwell um played i want you she's so heavy a lot actually that's a fun one to cover um mm -hmm. right. here comes the sun um monica llewellyn and i and she's my partner in the beatles duo acoustic duo that we have We've toyed with the idea of doing the metal, yeah. seeing if we can make it work for two people. <laughs> we've fucked around with it before, and it's kind of, we, we've like made it through, and it's pretty cool. So we may try to work that up and and um, and do something with it. But you know, yeah, it's just cool. uh, it's a fun one to play, and it's a fun one to play all the guitar parts, and it's a fun one then to go on bass. 
you know, to learn that stuff too. Just, you know, come together. Come together has to be one of the like greatest like R and B type rhythm tracks mm-hmm. ever. It is just completely nasty. I mean, they were a great R and B band. They yeah, really, they really were. were. And that's a prime mm-hmm. example of, of that is that song. So dirty. Yeah. Cool. All Time right. to do a Beatles so, marathon. Yeah, Put all the Beatles yeah. records on and just start from the beginning yeah, and go through it. Exactly. You can. <laughs> That'd be great. It's amazing. Mm, and then you, cool. you look at it, it's like seven years. Yeah. All that happened yeah. in seven, seven years. Seven years. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, just that's amazing. Crazy. They broke up when they were before they were thirty. You know, they were they were done yeah. as a band with when they were thirty. It's amazing. But yeah. But hey, they, they recorded an album in 12 hours, so yeah. <laughs> seven years is mean, a long time. That's just amazing. And it's funny mm-hmm. when you start learning about um, Rubber Soul and you start reading about doing those records and like, you know, they have three weeks to do that one. And they were, and they were like, oh, wow, we can we got some time, you know. And Revolver was the first one that they really had some time to do because they had uh, they had had the first part of that year off is turning into a fucking Beatles episode, but it happens with me. Um, they had the first part of 66 off, which had never happened before. They were supposed to do their third movie. Uh, and oh, they didn't okay. do it, fell through. And so they had time off for the first time mm. since they probably like started the band. And okay. so that was when they started like McCartney started going to art galleries, started getting into like experimental tape loops and things like that. And George got into Indian you know, they, they were all kind of um, able to go off and kind of try their own stuff. And so Revolver was the first one where I think they had a little bit more time. They weren't so pushed, but they didn't have to tour. But then they came back and then it was, we're done touring. And then, you know, and then they started working on Pepper in the late 66, like in December. Mm. So. 66 they, it's crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all the music, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> And then, then, then when you go in 67, you know, Hendrix's first album came out in 67. So there's already this big thing. The doors are already happening. You know, the Santa California yeah. thing is, 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 is well happening, you know, and Motown is going on during this whole period, the stacks, everything. And then there, you know, it's really fascinating when you start looking at everything, you know, the Beatles weren't the only thing going on. They may have been the biggest no, thing no. always going on. But yeah. I mean, there was a lot of other stuff to get into. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what man. makes that such a great time back then. Was yeah. there was so much going on, and, and the rate at which mm-hmm. it was happening, the quick rate. It was just mind blowing when you look at what was happening and how fast everybody was working. And you know, Hendrix was putting out, you know, that one, then put out Axel Love, and he was just, you know, on this rocket ship, you know. Yeah. Um, and the Stones were about to put out some great records, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, Sabbath is that when we're about to come and shake everything <laughs> up. And, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. Oh, there man. you go. Well, that's a great list. So it is so a great list. Yeah, we're gonna run it through uh, once more. Uh, we started out with Beatles, Rubber Soul, mm-hmm. and we went into Aerosmith, Rocks, and then we got Van Halen with one. And then we got Zeppelin two, and then we wrapped it all up with Beatles Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. There you and go. That's a great list. Yeah, with the machine head mm-hmm. as a kind of a yeah, a, a yeah. Kind of there you go. Runner up, kind of a footnote yeah. on the list there. Which, <laughs> you know that one's just incredible too. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Again, that was hard to do. That was really, really yeah. hard. I think I finally yeah. got through with it today. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. down. I'm like, my head going, where am I going to go from here? I can pick all yeah. these albums, but I don't want to do that. So, yeah. uh, It's sort of like you, you did mixtapes back in the day. Which one should be on there? Which, if I give this this cassette over to to a buddy of mine which songs do i want him to listen you, to you had a support? finite space yeah mm-hmm. you had you can put you can put as many on a playlist as you want you, there's there is no yeah yeah, yeah. storage now but we had we had a limit to storage you know before yeah. we had burn even cds have limits yeah you know yeah <laughs> it's crazy yeah. Well, once again, Philip, thank you so much for being on our show. It's always great to have you on. Anytime, guys. Uh, I, I really had a good yeah. time. Thank you. Yeah. 
But yeah, you're going you. out with with um, with Ace Freely and Alice Cooper like soon, three right? Three weeks. It's about to start now. Our first oh, show, I think, man. is uh, mid September in New Hampshire. I think it's September 18th. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's uh, every band as and uh, everything as far as I know is go. I've got nothing else. Like where everybody's plan on going and plan on being safe. We're we're being regulated more about what we can do, but. At mm-hmm. this point, I would I would open the show solo wearing a tutu if it if it tour yeah um, whole five weeks tour um, we're just so excited to be able to do it and when I say we I mean my entire touring family um, in the Alice camp too uh, we're just thrilled um, that it looks like it's going to happen and we're just so excited to to get back out and get to work again you know yeah so yeah. It's, we're we're thrilled. Alice Cooper and Ace Freely Band. What a great package. Right. I mean, seriously. Yeah. That's a really, really yeah. great bill. I would buy a ticket yeah. to that if I wasn't yeah. going to be there. <laughs> I, I would buy a ticket, too, if I was <laughs> in the state. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah. We're, that, we're, that's some great stuff. We're all just thrilled about it, so we, we can't wait. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so awesome. much, Philip, thank for you. taking yeah. the time once Bill more. Michael, thank you again. Uh, Always we had a blast. All right. So check out S. Freely on Alice Cooper on tour. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and check us out on sonsonvinyl.com. Okay. Any last words, Phil? Later. Everybody stay safe. Later. And uh, stay safe. Stay safe. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Later. Later. This has been Sounds on Vinyl, hosted by Mike Svensson and Phil Boyer. But it doesn't have to end. Join the Sounds on Vinyl community at soundsonvinyl.com forward slash community for exclusive content, music documentaries, chats, and more. Sounds on Vinyl is produced by Boozhound Music in cooperation with Boozhound Entertainment. Thanks for listening and all your motherfucking support.